0: As I said before, we are in our third and final sermon on tithing. When we gather, one of the things we do, that is the, the title of our series, one of the things we do is we obey in practice the biblical command of tithing. Thus far, with God's help, we have learned that the Old Testament is not completely divorced from the New Testament. We have learned that the God of the Old Testament is also the same God of the New Testament. We've learned that God's people were saved in the Old Testament in the exact same way that God's people were saved in the New Testament. The people of God, God's elect, if you will, have always been saved by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone. And God's people, the true Jews, are those who trust not in the flesh, but those who trust in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've learned that tithing is a law of nature. It's a moral law. It is a law that is written on the hearts of men, not at Mount Sinai, but a law that was written on the hearts of men at creation. Tithing, therefore, predated the law. Tithing came before the law. We see evidence of tithing from the very beginning in the offerings of Cain and Abel in in the book of Genesis chapter 4. We see Abraham, the father of faith, tithing to Melchizedek in Genesis chapter 14. And later in Genesis chapter 28, we see Abraham's grandson, Jacob, also tithing. What's the significance of these examples? The significance is that these examples of tithing predate the formation of the, the law of Moses. Therefore, tithing is a law of nature and not a ceremonial law. Tithing is also practiced in the New Testament by the New Testament church commanded by Paul, which we will find out more about later. Finally, we learned who we are to tithe to. Just as Abraham gave the tithe to the priest Melchizedek, so we, the seeds of Abraham, we must give our tithes to our greater high priest. Lord Jesus Christ and we ask the question how can we give to a priest who is in heaven Christ has given the church the authority to act on his behalf we bring our tithe to the temple the church is the temple of God we are the temple of God and the tithe is entrusted to those who are overseers of God's church elders and deacons by the grace of God we've learned much about tithing in the past two weeks and would like to reiterate what we stated at the outset of these teachings that that which we have learned and understood about t- about tithing is is not nearly all that the bible has to say about tithing and offerings but we do pray that it has served as a good foundation for your understanding of tithe and offering and now tonight with god's help we will seek to uh, answer the question How are we to give? How are we to give? And it may seem like a a rather simple answer, but God's word has much to say about the, the how or the manner in which we are to give. The how or the manner in which we are to give. Tonight, we will consider six points of consideration. Number one, the context of tithing, God owns it all. Number one, the context of tithing. God owns it all. When we come to the subject of tithing, we must come with a God-given context on the subject. Meaning this, what does God's word have to say about the doctrine of tithing? In Genesis chapter 14, verse 19, please turn there. Abram is tithing to the priest Melchizedek. And listen to the context or to the the overall statement of Abram in his tithing to Melchizedek. Or listen to Melchizedek's blessing on Abram. Melchizedek in verse 19 of Genesis chapter 14. Blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, Who has delivered your enemies into your hands. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. God's word declares that God. God is the possessor. Of heaven and earth. All things within heaven. All things within earth. All things within all of creation belong to the only one. Who created them. God most high. Brothers and sisters, the context of the biblical command of tithing is the biblical declaration. And by by biblical declaration, I mean to say that that God himself declares that God himself is the owner of all things, the possessor of all things. Therefore, to intentionally withhold anything from God is foolish. To withhold your tithe from the one who possesses all things is foolish. And and the scriptures actually go a step further and to say to attempt to withhold anything from God that belongs to him, especially your tithe, is to attempt to rob God from that which rightly belongs to him and that which he righteously commands. Did you hear that? Is it possible to rob God? Is it possible to rob God? Our dear late brother, R.C. Sproul, asked the question. Could it be that one could storm the throne room of God and rob God most high? What an interesting statement. And it is interesting that the Lord God judges Israel. In the book of Malachi, as being people who have robbed him, they ask the question, how have we robbed you? Or to say, as we have said, is it possible to rob God? Us, God's creatures, rob God, most high. And the Lord God declares, yes. And we respond, how? Malachi 3 8, in your tithes and offerings, or in your tithes and contributions. When we attempt to withhold from God what he righteously commands and what he righteously or rightly is due, the Lord God declares that we are robbing him. Brothers and sisters, you not only rob God when we withhold our tithe from God, but we rob ourselves. We rob ourselves when we fail to obey what God has commanded. How do you rob yourself? You rob yourself from the promised blessing that God has promised to you when you obediently obey his commands. He has gone so far to even allow the unthinkable in saying Malachi 310 test me. Try me, he says. See if. When you obey, see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing until there is no no want, no need. See if I will not pour out blessing until there is no more need. Not no more room. That's, I've got too much stuff. Not... That I will pour out blessing that you just can't handle all the stuff I'm going to give you. He says, I will pour out a blessing until you will have no more need. That you will not be in lack, but you will be at least sustained. Having everything that you need. That's the promise of of the one who was the possessor of heaven and earth. You cannot outgive God. So, dear ones, the context of giving tithing is simple. God owns it all. All things belong to God. Therefore, do not withhold what belongs to God. Do not just give a part. Do not give what you have left over. And if you do, the Bible says that you are robbing God. Give the first fruits, the tenth, the tithe of your income. And listen to this. God says, if you don't, you are cursed. What kind of curse would that be? I don't know. And I don't want to find out. Does it mean I'm going to hell? Isn't it interesting that when we want to avoid obeying the command of God, we try to avoid it by saying, well, will I go to hell if I don't? If I don't do this, does that mean I'm going to hell? What kind of reasoning is that? What kind of reasoning is that? It's a childish reasoning. It's an immature reasoning. It's a reasoning that says, how much can I get away with without actually getting in trouble? I don't know what kind of curse it is. But I do know that those who refuse to obey this command, God says you are cursed. And more than that, God says you are also robbing him. We must view ourselves in regard with all that we have, our houses, our cars, our money, our bodies even. As simply that which we have been entrusted with by God, which makes us stewards over those things, not necessarily owners. But stewards over those things, God has entrusted these things to you because who is the possessor of heaven and earth? God is. So therefore, that which he has entrusted to you, how are you being a good steward over it? Because you won't take it with you. You will take nothing with you. As much as we work and as hard as we work to uh, to acquire and to gain, nothing is ours. God is the possessor of heaven and earth. And what will you do with what he has given you in the meantime? Because you have it for a short amount of time. And then it's gone. Will you glorify God with it or will you say, All mine? All mine. I hope not. Number two, how shall we give? Number one, the context is that all belongs to God. Number two, when we tithe, we obediently tithe as an act of worship. Number two, when we tithe, we obediently tithe as an act of worship. We obediently tithe as an act of worship. What is our motivation when we give? Or, or to say it another way, how shall we give? In what manner shall we give? We have made the case that tithing is a moral obligation. Tithing is a, a law that has been written on our hearts. I believe we've made strong arguments in those past two sermons. If you haven't listened to those, go back and listen to them. It's a law of nature. With that said, there are those who reject the notion that we tithe out of a moral obligation or that tithing is a moral law. And they reject the notion that tithing is a moral law in favor of what is called grace giving. Uh, They reject the notion that tithing is a moral law written on your heart in favor of what is called grace giving. Now listen to what that is. That is that we should give out of a grateful heart as your primary reason for giving. And not because it is a law written on your heart, but give it give tithe out of a grateful heart. Not out of a moral obligation written on your heart. Admittedly, this is a softer and more digestible approach to tithing. But not what God's word teaches as primary reason why we tithe. Do we give out of gratefulness, out of thanksgiving? Yes. Is it your primary reason for giving? No. We do not believe that tithes are merely given out of gratitude. Gratitude is involved. And we will get more into that. But we obey God because this is what God has commanded. And he is God and we are not. We don't give because he's done something good for us first. Do you hear that? It's the approach of what have you done for me lately? And based upon what you have done for me lately... I will give in response to what you've done for me lately rather than giving because you are God Almighty and you've commanded it. That's my primary reason why I give and that that act is an act of worship. I give because you are God and I am not. What's what's the the the, the intention I think behind Behind the suggestion that giving should be grace giving and not moral obligation giving. Here's what I I think the, the motivation is. I think the motivation is to curve God's word. To smooth God's word. To season God's word. To satisfy our taste buds. It is to curve God's word to our likening. It is to, to season God's word to to satisfy our taste buds. We must not come to God's word demanding that he conforms himself to us. We must come we must come to God's word humbly, pleading that God conforms us to his word and to his will. Not that he changes for us, but we change for him. Amen. We must not be a people. And and Let me say this, there is a culture going on now where you can't say anything that comes off as being too harsh. Everything has to be nice and easy. Everything has to be nice and smooth. We can't say anything that someone may take as being offensive. Brothers and sisters, God's word is offensive. The gospel is offensive. Depravity is offensive. Faith in Christ alone is offensive. If you are a believer and you are are, are turned off to anything that may seem to be offensive, then you will have a hard time being a believer in this world. Because this is offensive. So get used to being offensive. If you are a believer... Get used to rubbing people the wrong way. One of the sisters said in our membership class, we were talking about the gospel. And we began with the first point, what the gospel is not. And our sub point to what the gospel is not is the gospel is not that you are okay. And as they walked out, she walked out. She said, that's a great introduction to the gospel. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. No, you are not okay. What do you mean I'm not okay? Let me tell you why you're not okay. It's, a, it's an offense right off the bat. The gospel is offensive. So don't be turned off when it sounds like the, the teaching from God's word comes off as not necessarily being likened to your taste buds. It's offensive. Jesus said, if they hated me, they will hate you. So get used to it. Get used. I, I'm not trying to be everyone's friend. I'm not trying to be the most likable pastor in Bakersfield or in the world. This is offensive. God's word is offensive. And so when we give, we give as an act of worship because God commands it. And that's all that needs to be said. Because God's, God's word commands it and that's all that needs to be said. He's the possessor of heaven and earth. He is the possessor of heaven and earth, all that we own belongs to him, and he has given it to us. We therefore tithe in obedience to what God has commanded. Jesus said, If you love me, you will obey my commandments. John 14, fourteen fifteen. Our love for God is expressed not in altering God's commands to fit our comforts, but obeying God's command in spite of the discomfort that it may cause. Are you a believer? And is being a believer amongst other believers sometimes uncomfortable? Great. You've just shown the mark of a true believer. You've just shown the mark of a true believer. Enjoy it. The Bible says when everyone, everyone that then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house upon the rock. I give because God commands it and we obey it. Number three. We tithe with a mission. We tithe with a mission. How should we tithe? When you give, brothers and sisters, you must tithe with the understanding that our resources, that which we are tithing, will be used to further the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and support his church. You are not giving to an empty cause. We pass by the jingle bell men going to the grocery store during Christmas and we give change to them. Praise God, it is going to the Salvation Army. Or is it? I don't know. We give to a number of different causes. But when you give to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are giving that the gospel may be preached to every tribe, nation, and tongue. And you know that's where the money is going. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 through 10, we see the tithe was used to support the work of the ministry and to support the ministers who served God's people Or served God by serving God's people. In 1 Corinthians we see that the tithe was collected on the first day of the week. On the Lord's day. To support the work of the ministry. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 3 through 15. We see that the tithe was used to support the shepherds of God's people. In Deuteronomy 26.12 we see that the tithe was used to support the poor and the needy. Brothers and sisters. When you tithe. Trust that your tithe is being given to take the mission of the gospel, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the nations. To make the gospel known you are not giving to an empty cause. You are giving with a purpose to see God's word carried to the nations. Why would you withhold that? Why would you withhold that? There was a little boy, there was a little girl who was selling world's finest chocolate. Who is a sucker for world's finest chocolate? I am. And when they bring to you that chocolate, they say, hey, I'm selling world's finest chocolate. And your your taste buds automatically go, oh. And where exactly is the money going toward? And you don't really care. All you care about is, do you have the one with almonds? Do you have the blue one that's milk chocolate? It's all I care. Oh, that's great. How many of them do you have? (laughs) And yet when it is time to receive the offering and the tithe here, it is going to a greater cause with an everlasting purpose and food that is better, better than earthly uh, food and drink. It satisfies your soul. Why would we withhold? No, there is a greater mission. Number four, a proper attitude of tithing. What should our attitude be like when we tithe? When you recognize that you are giving out of obedience to our moral law, that it is an act of worship. When you recognize and believe that your tithe is going toward a mission to make the gospel known in, in the nations. Then your tithing, the attitude of your tithe should be without reserve, freely, thankfully. And humbly, that should be your attitude. What is that? Without reserve, freely, thankfully, and in humility or humbly. Let me take these briefly. Without reserve. Do you know what that means to give without reserve? Tithing should be done wholeheartedly without any reservation. There should not be anything holding you back from giving. This should be your attitude. Listen, if you are withholding your tithe because of skepticism, I don't know what they're going to do with that money. So I'll give it to a homeless person because at least I know it's going somewhere. If you are withholding your tithe because of distrust, I've seen him or her wearing, driving, eating Are they using my money for that? I'm not sure. If you're giving your tithe out of anger. If you're giving your tithing out of fear. And these are your primary attitudes. Then don't give. Now that's interesting. If there are any negative attitudes when you are tithing. Then don't give. But let me say to you. Don't give because there's a bigger issue. Don't give because there's a bigger issue going on. And that is this. Why would you be worshiping in a church that makes you angry? Why would you be worshiping in a church and you are a skeptic? Why would you be worshiping in a church and there is distrust, there is anger, there is fear? It seems to me like it's time for you to leave that church. Not stay in the church and say, well, I don't know where this money is going, so I'll just keep it to myself but keep attending the church. You are eating then for free. You are then taking advantage of the church. You are a charlatan who sits and enjoys and and takes advantage of all things. But when the money is passed, I don't know about that part, preacher. No, I think the bigger issue is either you need to leave that church or you need to repent of your sin and begin to give. You should be giving with complete confidence. You should be giving with complete assurance that your tithe is being used in a way that glorifies God. Second Corinthians nine, seven, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. When you give Give cheerfully, that is, thankfully. Give cheerfully. Rejoice that God has provided for you all that you have. Listen, and He's allowed you to keep 90 and has only required of you 10. What a great God we serve! Give freely. Your tithing must be given freely. No one can force you to tithe. This is a teaching. That you will either receive with joy as being from God's word or reject for whatever reason you are rejecting it. But your attitude in giving must be that you are giving freely. Not under the compulsion of man. Giving what God has commanded because God has commanded it. Thankfully, when you give, give out of a thankful heart. What are you thankful for? You are tithing as an attitude that God has provided for you. You are Thanking God that he has kept his promise. God has met your need. God has sustained you. God who owns all has given to you and you are sustained by God. We give because we are thankful for the provision that God has has given to us. We therefore give in humility. God, thank you for giving to me. All is yours and you've allowed me to have all that I have. And brothers and sisters... We must be people who are also in humility, ready and willing to repent. For what? For wanting more than we need. We give thankfully. Thankfully for what? That God has given all that I have. Look around. God has provided. And repent. Repent that we are a people who are never content. Repent that we are a people who are never, never satisfied. Repent that we are a people who always want more. Bigger house. More cars. More, more, more. That's all we are. We are fleshly, sinful people. And God has promised to give us everything we need. We must not allow our flesh. Listen, not the culture. It's not the commercials. We are the problem. We are the problem. Who developed culture? Did culture disappear out of thin air? Culture is developed by man. Man has developed a culture of never being satisfied. Things are never fast enough. We must not allow our flesh to cry out for more than we actually need. Take inventory of your home. Do you have a home? Do you have a car? Maybe more than two, maybe more than one. Some of you have more than one or two. Do you have a refrigerator where food is kept cool? Do you have a pair of shoes? More than one. Brothers and sisters, we must repent. I include myself in that. We must repent. And realize that we are living way beyond what the, what the rest of the world is surviving on every single day. We are living way beyond what the, what the rest of the world is, is surviving on every single day. The rest of the world lives off of a dollar a day, sometimes less than that. They're surviving. America is not the only place where Christians live. His people are scattered abroad and God is providing for his people. We are doing well. We are rich by comparison. Be thankful for what you have. And be humble that you are able to give what God has given you. Number five, biblical tithing should be faith giving. Biblical tithing should be faith giving or faith tithing. That is to say, that when we give, we walk by faith and not by sight. We give to God our first fruits and trust that as we do, he will be faithful to his promise to provide for our needs. In Genesis chapter 4, 4, we see that Abel brought forth the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. The first glimpse that we see, glimpse that we see of first fruits giving. Prior to the law, Adam has communicated something to his children, giving the first of their income. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the first fruits of your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. The scriptures do not say, see what comes in. And if there's anything left over. Go on and give that. But if there's not, catch it next week. Catch it next time. This is essentially what Cain did when he offered the unacceptable offering. He gave the leftovers. You must trust, as you give in faith, that when you give, God will provide. Don't wrestle with giving, with a thought that if I give this, then I won't be able to buy that. If I give this, I won't be able to have enough to pay for that. Where's the faith in that? One of the brothers said, and I say amen to that. We might as well just admit, I don't have enough faith. I don't believe you, God. And ask God... To forgive us for our unbelief. We might as well do that. Rather than play the game of I'll give a few bucks here. Just confess I don't have faith in you. I don't trust you. Help me with my unbelief. At least that's honest. When we give. we The idea is likened to a harvest that is planted. We must trust that the harvest will grow. And that it will produce, it will produce food for the sower in God's time. The problem is, the example that I've just used has scared us away from giving. What do I mean? False teachers who use a harvest and a seed to scam and manipulate people with resurrection seed offerings and miracle cloth offerings and give $119 according to Psalm 119. So therefore, when we hear these kinds of scriptures, we are automatically, walls go up. And, and fences go up and barbed wire goes up in order to, to protect us from those who are attempting to fleece the flock. Brothers and sisters, <clears throat> we must not allow the false preachers. We must not allow the false preachers and their ideas. Their false ideas of what God has said bring skeptic, skepticism into our minds when it comes to tithing to the church. Because what they're saying. What they're doing, that's not the true church. That is not God's word. What is faith giving? Obey God and trust that he will provide for you. If I were to say 1 Kings chapter 17, I'm going to tell you about the story of Elijah and the Zarephath widow. Some of us would automatically say, I know what he's going to do with that. But do you see how the, the scriptures have attempted to be tainted by false preachers? I say attempted because God's word is pure. That Zarephath woman gave the last of what she had in faith, trusting that God would provide. And she is an example of faith. And it is to the shame of the false preachers that that example has been dragged through the mud. To where when we hear that passage, we automatically are defensive about it rather than receiving that as a great example of someone who gives in faith, trusting that God does provide. No, God's word is pure. The false teachers are the ones who are dirty. Not God's word. And last, giving should be proportionate. Tithing should be proportionate. Second Corinthians 8, 1 through 3. Paul praises this church of Corinth for giving according to their ability and also giving beyond their ability. Giving according to their ability is the norm in Scripture. It's the norm in Scripture. Let's go to one Scripture, Mark chapter 12, and then we'll be done. Mark chapter 12. <clears throat> Mark, the 12th chapter. And verse 41. As he sat down, the Lord Jesus Christ, opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box, many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and he said to them, truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the office offering box for they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. Huh. Those who were rich were flaunting their wealth, but were just giving a small portion of what they truly had. This woman, she gave all that she had, And she gave out of her poverty, meaning in spite of what she did not have, she gave to God what she did have, trusting that that God would provide for her. That's faith giving. That's giving in proportion to her income. This is what I have. The only thing that we can ever do. Is give. What God has commanded. And give what we have. Now think about this as we close. Can't we just give whatever we want? Can't we just give whatever we want? Yes, we can. We believe that we should give what we want. The problem is this. The believer has remaining sin within him. So he cannot trust what he wants. His heart is deceitfully wicked. Are we supposed to follow our feelings when it comes to giving? Are our feelings a dependable resource? No, they are not. So we must not trust ourselves. Because the heart wants to withhold from God. Or the heart wants to fanatically give more than is called for. There are many issues when it comes to how to give how you feel. I would rather trust myself into the hands of God. Than into the hands of a man or even myself. About what I should give. Because God's word regulates, gives me guidelines on what I should do and how I should worship him. I will not bring to him strange fire. I will not bring to him that which he has not commanded. I will bring to him that which he has commanded because he has given me a regulation, a guideline of how I should live and how I should worship him. The Bible gives us commands on all things. In order to guide our path of worship. Give how much you want. How much should I want? That's the question that the heart will always wrestle with. So what should I do? God, search my heart. You tell me what I should want and I will follow that. Why? Because as David said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. Brothers and sisters, what do we do? We give. We tithe because God has commanded it. And at least I am safe in the hands of God when I follow His commands. Let's pray.